Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of Artsy AF. Thanks for being here. Welcome to another episode of Artsy AF. Wait, we don't say, we already say welcome. Do we? Well, you know, welcome twice. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Hey, on this episode, we got the man, Seth McMahon, uh, dropped in Colorado this week to hang out. He had a nice little art gathering at Therata, just a bunch of people painting, hanging out. Yeah, we're super excited to have Seth here. He's, he's in my eyes, like an OG, you know, mm-hmm. like he is, a, he has a very interesting story. Yeah, he's a killer and he kind of lets you know you can always turn any situation into your favor absolutely he's the master um this one was kind of meandering we just kind of let seth rip it mm-hmm. as he does in, in on canvas you know yeah so, it was pure fun yeah i could sit back and listen to him talk about life and experiences forever yeah he's just so full of life absolutely Has so much joy without further ado let's do a three countdown this time ready Set three, two, one. Take one of these. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I can already tell you have a great voice for radio. And I actually, uh, I'm adjusting to the humidity, so I got like, you know, kind of eflim. Eliflem. But does that make you more of a jazzy kind of singer, though? I think so, yeah. I have much yeah. more of a sultry <laughs> voice. No, Sultriness. <laughs> I remember a friend's episode where she kept getting herself sick because it made her a better singer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe. <laughs> friends reference right off the bat. I know. <laughs> Did you we don't it? have to put that in. No, it's okay. yeah. no we're going to. <laughs> we're going to. Yeah. My no, other we don't have favorite to. shit was on Friends whenever Phoebe, I think it was Phoebe, when she would go for runs through the park. And she like fucking Flailed. flails her body all over the place, but it was like the, just the funniest, stupidest physical humor I've ever seen. Yeah, nice. But yeah, yeah. so uh, physical humor is pretty funny. There's the Friends Sometimes. reference. Um, yeah, <laughs> Seth, Seth McMahon. Yeah, welcome, hey guys. Welcome Seth. to Colorado. Uh, thanks for coming on our podcast on such short notice. Dude. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. We're super yeah. stoked that you're here. Um, I'm super stoked to be here. I've been having a great time since I've been here. And uh, a lot of time in the past, I've come to Colorado to like crush, you know, because there's so mm-hmm. many talented people, so many good things going on here. But this time around, I really like had a good time with people. Nice. You know, That's cool. I partied. I danced. Nice. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. You got yeah. to hang out a little bit. Got to hang out with some awesome people and check in with a lot of the, the creators. And I didn't, you know, I just had a... An art show in Maui, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm about to have an art show in Philadelphia. Oh, right so, what, what are the dates on that? That is November 16th, and it's Dream Come True Gallery in Philadelphia. 
that's a brand new gallery that's open up a nonprofit that they're going to be teaching kids in Philly how to paint. Oh, that's Whoa, great. nice. Uh, yeah, I'm the first artist. Uh, this guy had been collecting my work for quite a while. Nice. So, and uh, uh, yeah. Blair has just entered the building. Hello, Hi, Blair. Blair. <laughs> Blair, this is Seth. That's my wife, Blair. Pleasure to meet you, Blair. Yeah. Hey, I'm Andrew. Hey, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) And coincidence, uh, well, Blair and I moved from Philadelphia to here. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah, and Seth has a show coming up in Philly. Yeah, yeah. This weekend, November 16th. It's a cool place, man. They got got really great murals there and uh, good, like, pubs you know what i mean like Uh breweries and stuff Mm. and it you know i'm from oakland so it's kind of like i don't know it's like the the oakland san francisco but like philly's like the chilled out version in new york that's like not so intense you know what i'm saying it's Uh like more mellow Mm -hmm. and uh has a kind of grounded vibe to it i find it like a lot of places that have industrial uh previous like an industrial city, have yeah. that kind of vibe. But there's a good amount of space there, mm-hmm. and artists mm-hmm. they they can utilize that to get like a warehouse space for relatively reasonable yeah, price. Yeah, can like actually afford stuff there. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. <laughs> I lived out in uh, warehouses in Oakland for five years. Right on. Yeah, it was a, a wonderful network community like if you show up in oakland just not knowing anybody you're gonna be like well what the fuck is going on here Mm -hmm. you know it's like a whole different scene but if you meet one person in that network you realize that there's like a whole underground scene of artists uh people hanging out and painting together in warehouses Mm -hmm. um it's kind of disappeared in the past couple years uh ever since there was a big fire at a rave the uh fire marshal shut down all those places Really? And all the people who wanted to make money went north to Northern California and Gruganja. And all the people who wanted to get famous went south to LA. <laughs> it was kind mm-hmm. of like dispersion all of a sudden. Um, what so was the warehouse? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a nice move. <laughs> yeah, it was a good move. I was looking on Craigslist and I was like looking at a one bedroom part, apartment that's like 100 square feet for like $1,500. And, and I was just like, no. I started looking on uh, Maui, and I'm like, I can get an acre and a half, like, oceanfront property for, like, you know, the same amount. That's wild. And so grow yeah. a garden, you know, and, and How yeah. long have you been in Maui? Three oh, years. Three years? Yeah. Damn. It's been great. I'm adjusting. I feel like a lot of my knowledge from the urban environment really doesn't apply out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of locals kind of treat me like I'm... You were a city boy, but kind of dumb. Like, don't you know these basic things that we grew up with? And uh, a lot of that, I've been learning carpentry recently. Just built a house with my lady out in the jungle. No big deal. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I first built a jungle shack that was like my guest room and art studio space on my first property. And mm-hmm. then after that, we moved out to the second property and built my whole house. And it's modular, so I'm going to keep on building more rooms onto it mm-hmm. and as I go and uh, I'm into this really beautiful agricultural land it's like this dark uh, volcanic soil with um, old growth mango trees falling into it. it makes this like the hummus 
is what they call it. It's yeah, like yeah. all this dead stuff that anything can grow in there super well. Wow. So, uh, just like a natural compost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's rough. so much nutrients in that ground. You can throw seeds in there and a couple of weeks later, there's like things up waist high. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that like Maui is, it's as fertile as it can possibly be. Like it's yeah. at its absolute peak as far as like a, volcanic mountain oh yeah totally totally i mean even the rainfall like i live on the jungle side in the in the north and uh there's what's called the ulelena which is the uh the every night at about 11 o'clock there's for about an hour a downfall so what is your garden every night you usually get a little one in the morning too that's crazy yeah it's the cleansing rain it's it's beautiful uh, that's what the hawaiians call it is ulelena right on so is that like uh on the road to Hana, like that? Yeah, it's the North Shore. Area. Yeah, Dude. yeah. It's, it's where there's so the big, big waves. There's like upwards to like 60-foot waves, like 10 Damn. minutes from my house right now. Are you surfing? I am surfing, days? but not yeah. the 60-foot waves. I okay. surf the baby waves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I follow out 12-year-olds. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I would level. be doing, too. Like, keep it on body height. No, Nothing bigger than 10 feet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's my second year surfing. Uh, every year I... I tried to learn something new mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh la- last year was surfing mm-hmm. this year it's carpentry and next year it's gonna be auto mechanics wow Ooh, that's a good one yeah they really rip you off out there you know yeah. <laughs> you got a monopoly so you your car gets broken down i've been through four cars in three years man so. Ooh, what yeah, Is they call it the, the Maui Cruisers. I, I buy them for like $1,200, ride them for like eight months, and then just drive them into the ground, get a new <laughs> one. It's a crazy life, man. It's like a, a different country out there. It's not It's not America. No? Yeah. Yeah, I know. People get away with stuff you can never get away with in America. Yeah? Yeah. In good ways, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. In good ways. A little more freedom, in a sense. Yeah, totally. In a lot of areas, there's not a lot of people. So, you know, backwoods kind of places, you get far enough down the road, you crack some road sodas, mm-hmm. drink mm-hmm. some beers yeah. while you're driving. AKA, AKA beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do that out there, and it's not a big deal. You know? <laughs> That's yeah, caveat. yeah, yeah do, it's a little lawless in some places. We do <laughs> not we do not condone uh, drinking and driving on the RCAF podcast. <laughs> That's right. I don't drink and drive. I'm just saying, if you've been drinking and driving since you're 16, you know what your limits are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. That That's like s- such a huge move. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was. I, I mean, I've been traveling my whole life. Uh, when I was 18, I lived in Australia for a half a year. And uh, 22, I lived in New Zealand for a year. Uh, 28 to 29 lived in New Zealand. Uh, been a hitchhiker for most of my adult life. So hitchhiked from Costa Rica to California once with my lady. Wow. Damn. I'm a fire spinner. So I've made money on the go, like putting out my sweatshirt or my hat and just like a boom box and lighting a, f- a flaming staff and trying to call people in. It's <laughs> um, awesome. It's a good life. You know, I, I, I think that, I, you know, when I was in college and stuff, I always worked jobs to get by. And when I started traveling and going to New Zealand, I was so stubborn that I didn't want to get a job and be like in a crazy magical place that I want to travel the whole place, you know? Mm-hmm. So I started making money on the go. And fire spinning was a part of it, how I made my cash. But I also did murals in hotels and hostels. And every nice. new town that I went to, 
I would just like go to the front desk and be like, hey, man, uh, I'm a professional artist. I, I do murals. Do you guys have any room in, in return for some mural work? Nice. They're like, oh, let me check out your stuff. I'm like, Google me. You know, Google images <laughs> pop up. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on and they're either sold by that or they're not. Mm-hmm. Right. But in every town that I went to, if there's like seven hotels and hostels, there's one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so, rad. yeah, I mean, I ended up getting some crazy accommodations that I could never pay for. But I'm like in the queen suite, like balling yeah, out. And fuck yeah. Putting three hours a day into painting a mural and then enjoying my time. So that's awesome. That really helped in taking care of my like living survival needs as I traveled. You know, mm-hmm. that combination of being able to make quick change, quick money um, through busking, uh, street performance, and then also taking care of my accommodations through painting murals. Did you, is that like a philosophy you've always kind of had and grew into? Did you have like a, like a, a moment or a realization? It's such a free, interesting flowing way to live that I think freaks out most people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it was really out of stubbornness, you know, mm-hmm. I was tired of working jobs yeah. mm-hmm. uh, before I left, uh, for New Zealand, I worked two jobs, 70 hours a week, and I was a student, too. I was working full-time all the time. I was also hustling things. And <laughs> all, that, all that combined together was like my entire life was just kind of like making paychecks. Right, yeah. You know? And coming from that to like when I went to New Zealand and Auckland, I blew almost all my savings at once. And after a week, I woke up on like... A rooftop, like out on an extended pillar on like a very top of the thing. I was like hungover with some girl, like just hanging out on this thing that was entirely dangerous. Like woke up completely out of money after a week. I balled out tough. Anyways, it was great. But I, I lost all my money. I couldn't just get myself to go straight back to working in a job like on yeah, the yeah. daily grind. I was like, I worked so hard just to get out to this magical place. On all my breaks, for my lunch breaks, I would look through, like, New Zealand travel books and be like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go there. Yeah. So I just, like, I was just like, I'm going to go there. And <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make it, but going to each town square and making a fire staff and spinning that around, first time, I made, like, 25 bucks. Right That's nice. Really? <laughs> I can just do this? Yeah. You know? You're just having fun. And it's legal. It's not like America where you need like in permits performance and insurance that. and stuff. Yeah, no. yeah. The mm-hmm. cops out there are looking my back. So if someone steals my chain, they're gonna they're gonna tackle them. They're That's like, nice. don't don't hassle this guy. He's working. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Great. It's great. Um, but yeah, you know, hitting rock bottom at, uh, financially, as in having zero dollars, how to navigate that situation really. Um, I always kept $2 on me and through $2, I could buy a bucket of chalk at the, the dollar store Mm -hmm. and that bucket of chalk, I could start at 8am doing a giant street chalk mandala, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm taking up the town square, doing a giant, like spectral rotocelli spiral, you know? (laughs) And some people get it, some people don't. Some mm-hmm. people think I'm some bum or whatever. <laughs> some people step on it, don't see it. Mm-hmm. Children and old people see it the most. Mm-hmm. But I usually in just a day of doing that, I make about like 40, 50 bucks, right? Nice. Like, yeah. 
So I, I get that together. Um, then that becomes my stage at nighttime. So mm. once nighttime rolls around, I'd spend some of that money and go get some kerosene. And nice. then like use that, that giant rotocelli spiral as my stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come back and spin fire on it. Did the spiral on the ground help you uh, kind of make moves with the staff? Did you ever try and like I, I follow so. the two? That's kind of like the bagua, you know, like yeah, yeah, having yeah. those different steps. Mm-hmm. I think that could be useful, but actually uh, kerosene makes things really slick. Uh, so having some so chalk spilling. On, the, on the ground mm-hmm. actually kept me from slipping a little okay. bit. So oh, it was wow. actually a better stick. Functional. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Practical. You're thinking about this thing from arts. all angles. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I would make like 70 bucks a night, and then I'd drink with all my buddies until I was poor and wake up hungover <laughs> with $2 in my pocket. <laughs> I'd do it again. <laughs> Nice. You know? And I stopped worrying about being poor anymore. You mm-hmm. know, I stopped having that like survival anxiety of like, oh, am I not going to eat? We can go a long time without eating. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So totally. I think it's a lot of that fear and anxiety that keeps people from wanting to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you just confronted that the great fear of being broke and poor and yeah. you, and yeah. you found joy in love and creativity in that space. And then, yeah. then you're free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It seems it's like you awesome. got really cozy with the edge. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. After I got done with the, the Academy of art, um, which was after that, uh, I started hitchhiking like real hardcore and I went from the whole Northern California festival scene, actually up and down California. And, uh, that was that was a different thing, you know. Like, I left with thirteen bucks in my pocket and tried to find my way in it. I was gonna hitchhike to Alaska at first, but then I kept on hitting a bunch <laughs> of festivals, and they kept on inviting me back to it. And uh, after a, like a whole season of doing that, hitting these different festivals with zero dollars in my pocket, like, hey. You like my painting? You're like, can I have an apple? Or like, I was helping out the Thai food spot for a while. I would mm-hmm. I would wash dishes with them sometimes, and they give me a free feed. Damn, know? yeah. So I was going halfway between that and on the off time that I wasn't on festivals, I'd be out in the woods, like camping in the woods by myself. Wow. So I was going Damn. between like diving deep like hobo mystic style of like (laughs) sleeping out in my trench coat in in the forest to like coming into the festival and just raging nonstop no sleep for like four (laughs) days super high just like getting it out of painting and then i just go and crash out in like the bushes somewhere for like another (laughs) three days Where's the next party at up the road? I <laughs> got there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, eventually, I got onto uh, this like it was a 1976 uh, Bluebird school bus, mm. and they picked me up. It was like spray painted all across it, you know, graffiti style. They had all these canvases and spray paint, mainly which is stolen from the hardware store, but. <laughs> Uh, they were going from festival to festival mm. and they, they were like this light pod. They were called the womb, which was world of one mind. Is that the warehouse eventually? That is the warehouse. Yeah. yeah they took me back to Oakland actually. And it was, uh, 27th and MLK, which is kind of like the hood. Mm-hmm. It's West Oakland, you know? And, uh, they had this warehouse that they, they got, it was a huge 
beautiful warehouse. I mean, it was like an antiques warehouse, so it was filled with like old antiques. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving and like transition that need to happen there still. Mm-hmm. But the potential for this place as a container that they like owned was awesome. Nice. And so they gave me free rent there for two years to paint murals and throw parties. Damn. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. That yeah. free rent tip is really where it's at. That was really the start. That was mm-hmm. the start of being like a professional artist. Yeah. Because with them, I didn't have a dollar in my pocket for two years. Yeah. I mean, I maybe I was selling stuff at like 100, 200 bucks, whatever. It's enough to buy supplies and some groceries. Mm-hmm. But that's not enough to like pay rent in the Bay Area and live by right. any means. Yeah. Right, right. So free rent. And then once a week, we work with Food Not Bombs. They they nice. work with like Whole Foods. They get all the leftover Whole Foods food that they're gonna throw it out. They cook for the homeless, and so we'd be like a whole crew of hippies from a warehouse in Oakland showing up, like thirteen <laughs> hungry hippies, like already a cook for this. And they give us each a box, big box of vegan food, and we mm. we it was like a thing that you had to do every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was mandatory. You have to get your food here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you everybody's got what they need and then everybody had different jobs so like you know one kid was the chef and you're sitting there painting and all of a sudden you get some, you know vegan curry right there to uh, yeah. you. <laughs> and that that that's a beautiful thing but yeah. um it shut down got bought out by techies uh that place became a trap house Oh wow! Yeah, it became a trap like a techie house. trap house, or <laughs> <laughs> they they selling apps out the I, back door. Yeah, no, no, they they were selling cocaine there. Yeah, and uh, that kind of actually happened with the whole Bay Area scene. Mm-hmm. A lot of it went from the psychedelia and visionary art uh, combined with like dubstep music was big at the time. Mm-hmm. And what then what it, time period are we talking about? Uh, just to give people uh, context 2010 to or 2009 to 2000 i would say about 15 or so Mm -hmm. there's a good five-year period that it was really a beautiful scene coming together Mm -hmm. and uh it's interesting to think of the the substances used the most common substances were lst and mdma at the time used Mm -hmm. within that scene right you saw all the time right um but with the music change, uh, it went to the trap, trap music, 808s. Yeah. Oh. And mm. all of a sudden, you see all these like white kids trying to act like gangsters with chains and grills and stuff. Like, you know, it's like, come on, guys. They're all doing cocaine now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing cocaine Our and hearts ketamine. Are turned off. And they're trying to act tough, you know? Mm-hmm. And it changed the nature of the scene. And, you know, scenes do change over time that's not saying i didn't love that too i mean it was it was a good time i was still having fun with these people Mm -hmm. but um to see that the effect of certain these influences of these substances when what effect they had on my community Mm -hmm. often parties Mm -hmm. ended up people were like screaming at each other at a.m about stupid shit because they didn't share their last line or some bullshit (laughs) or like i'm in my backyard and um i used to always put on fire performances for these people and people clap and they love it, you know. But if literally everybody's on ketamine and nitrous, they're so fucking checked out. Yeah, it's like, like, like performing for a bunch of zombies that just like, <laughs> you, know? you don't even know what they saw. They they, they don't know not. where they're at, what they're up to, and it's a real disconnection, and that's unfortunate, you know. Mm. 
I'm I'm not talking to get people can get great things out of all kinds of different substances. I'm not sure. judging yeah, it yeah. in any means, but mm-hmm. um, the nature of even my psychedelic artwork mm-hmm. and how accepted it is within that scene is yeah. much more accepted when there's <laughs> kind of that that in between the two mm. of <laughs> like a little bit of street, a little bit of 808, you know, yeah. a little bit of slappers in there, but always also having like the, the spiritual a little bit, you totally. know, a little yeah. bit of Shanti in there, yeah. a little bit of like fades and stuff. And I don't know. I, I think that's, it's kind of like that in my artwork too. I like bridging yeah. the gap between, um, I was super influenced by visionary artists, uh, but I, I, I never got accepted in the visionary art scene mm. when I was a 19-year-old trying to come up and they're professional artists, you know. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of the stink face, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wasn't good enough yet in yeah. a lot of ways for them to be like, yeah, we want this guy on. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my experience with graffiti. Mm. Like, right. They're like, come on in. Super oak. Try it out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no ego there whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, bunch of assholes too, though. I mean, you know, (laughs) you invite them to their party, they're fucking all of a sudden blasting your bathroom, and you're like, God damn it. Wait a second. (laughs) You you forgive it too. And uh, there's there's so many beautiful things in in that community as well. Uh, I spent a good like four years writing graffiti in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. What did you did you have a moniker? It was Feather. Feather. Yeah, Feather. Did you earn that or did you just make it up? Or? I made it up. In fact, I, I caught some fact for it because people thought it was too... Uh, too soft? Yeah. <laughs> Not straight enough? <laughs> right, right, right. Too, you should have so, made it like concrete right, feather or something. hard feather too for a hard minute. Hard feather? Yeah, yeah, because it sounded more hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did Buddha faces too. Like I, nice. I carry around... Um, a black uh, Montana 94 and a white one and do these fades that were coming in, these really calm, uh, serene-looking Buddha faces that I could do with, like, real fast. Yeah, yeah. They look legit. Mm-hmm. And every time I saw them, it made me feel like this is... Good, like, good. Raising the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like and, a cool mixture, middle way. Like, well, I was going to mention the way you were describing your art and your approach, like, is the middle way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, like, the visionary art world is kind of more like wisdom, maturity, depth. And then street art is more like I'm young. I've got energy. Like I'm on the streets. I'm out skateboarding. I'm having fun. I'm celebrating life, being active and like combining those two. You're hitting the middle way. And especially with like painting a Buddha's face. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like you nailed it. Like yeah, you hit yeah. the nail on the head with that. And a lot of it with, with graffiti is like, what is your individual style? Mm-hmm. I, I think with graffiti, it's very different. If you copy someone's style, they will punch you in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will get like, you'll be like writing graffiti and then somebody will just hit you upside the back of the head because Damn. you're biting their style. Mm-hmm. And people know that. The whole community knows who does what style. <sighs> and if you don't, I mean, if you don't have anything to offer as far as your individually, mm-hmm. individuality, mm-hmm. if you haven't taken enough time to do the black book in advance to offer something to the narrative, mm-hmm. then they don't want you writing at all. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with live painting and 
you know, everybody's welcome. You're welcome to slap whatever motif of the day is popular on your painting and not really catch any flack for it. Yeah, well, both. Are, I have mixed both feelings cool. about it, right? Yeah. Because, like, I've copied people's stuff to learn. Oh, we all have, I think. I feel like it doesn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong to any one individual in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my stance, too. Yeah. Just wanted to bring it up. Oh, that's very, <laughs> right. very true. I mean, it's sad seeing an artist being like, they're biting my shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it shows the insecurity and it shows yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the finite ability to create. Trying to grasp. Mm-hmm. And also, like, nobody can do what you do. Like, if, right. if what you're creating is a genuine expression, like, even if somebody's biting their style, it's not going to be it's what not gonna you be make. The same. Yeah. It's interesting to see, I mean, I take pride in hopefully inspiring other people and, and guiding. So when you see a little bit of your style and people that you hang out with and mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, fuck yeah. It's fucking awesome, yeah, it's right? Nice, right? It, it, yeah, yeah, it's not like, no, this is mine here. Nobody touch it. It's like, it, it's so much fun to share creativity. Yeah. It is a way to teach yourself by teaching other people and then allowing them to continue working on those things they feel passionate about mm-hmm. and then taking it further than you. What do you, what do you think that is though? When someone gets all like possessive about, uh, you know, a shape or a a form or a certain set of patterns. All right. Well, I guess I can say also, I will tell you from another angle of perspective that like Mm -hmm. in about 2013, I had this breakthrough in my personal artwork that Mm -hmm. I stopped going through like trying to paint a certain thing and just start slapping down brushwork in a certain kind of way. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the time, it felt pretty unique, like, and it got really well accepted by the community as, Mm -hmm. like, this guy has an individual voice. But then I saw, you know, some people, I guess you could call biting them. Mm -hmm. And those people are selling their work at a fraction of the cost that I am. Mm. So all of a sudden, you have somebody who's comparing you with somebody else who's got a fraction of the price. Mm -hmm. You have to feel that need to be like well, I've been doing this right. for so long and I, I'm the best at it. Yeah. But <laughs> in reality, that kid might be crushing it. Yeah, He might be doing a great job. Yeah, And so holding on to that, this is me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's, that's also an identity thing. Like yeah, that yeah. fear of letting go of this. Ego. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is who I am, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? I, uh, it's an elusive thing to connect with the essence of who we are. Totally. And I've only had moments that I felt like I was in that place. Mm-hmm. To me, the thing I can equate it the most to is when you're on a dance floor dancing. And yeah. you're, you're gone. Your personality's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may be inspired by looking at the people around you and catching little moments of like the way that they move their body mm-hmm. on the dance floor. And they're like, oh, that looks like fun mm-hmm. doing that for a little while. But then... Do you premeditate everything that you do when you dance? No. I don't. I don't think about it Hell at all. I just no. feel the music. Mm-hmm. And that's the most authentic thing I think we can do. Totally. Just feel the music, yeah. paint, dance. Mm-hmm. That's when I feel like in contact with myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like your personality disappears as you're in the creative flow in any facet. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm sure you probably, do you feel that with like surfing too? Well, I'm not a great surfer. <laughs> I kind of suck at surfing. Because I've only been doing it for like a year now. Yeah, maybe in ten years. 
I will tell you, every time I get on a surfboard and I'm surfing, I'm paddling out into the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> I got a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. present. Yeah. Right, yeah. Nice. So yeah. how, how long have you been painting? Like, have you been doing it since you were a kid? Or? Uh, yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to smoke a lot of weed out here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting used to it. All right. Um, let's go through this story real quick. Been drawing since I was five. When I was eight years old, I realized I can draw realism pretty well. I can copy images and get like a full value pattern. That seemed pretty exceptional at the time for me. Mm-hmm. Between then and being like 19, I just did a bunch of cartoons, like weird goons and fucking strange patterns and designs in my notebooks. I just drew all the time and taking notes instead of taking notes in school. When I was about... 1819 uh started having those shifts in consciousness that my artwork became more serious and spiritual mm-hmm. um or i just felt like i was pulling more out of the ethers than making weird goons <laughs> <laughs> caricatures of my teachers and shit yeah. uh, it, it brought another level of depth to it around that age and then uh, I just was drawing all the time in these sketchbooks instead of doing anything else. And uh, I, was, I decided to go to the Academy of Art in San Francisco, uh, study illustration. And I met a girl when I was there. I was 20 years old. Uh, I dated her for three and a half years, on and off, kind of. She's my lover. And she was an oil painter. And I love the smell of her house, like all the <laughs> mediums, mm-hmm. like liquid and linseed oil, kind of mixed with her dirty clothes. It's <laughs> like some mojo was going on there nice. that I really loved it. And I watched her learn how to paint, like get better at it. She was going to the academy too. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, even my style now is an offshoot of something that she was working on at mm. the time. Mm-hmm. I learned cool. a great deal from the way that she uses colors, the way that she lays down paint. At the time, I was very stubborn and being like, well, drawing's better than painting. I don't really want to learn how to paint. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, she's my girlfriend. I, don't, I can't tell her that she's better than me or anything. <laughs> God, I had such a big ego at the time. I was never going to happen. But I did learn how to paint at the Academy of Art. And... Uh, uh, mainly figurative kind of stuff, right? Illustration. I, w- I wanted to learn the foundations, really solidify those. I already had yeah, the creativity. Yeah. I was already kind of weirding out there. Mm-hmm. I was studying philosophy and just, uh, I wanted more grounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, did that. <coughs> and then uh, started going hitchhiking and entered in. That was about 10 years ago. I'm coming up. I'm nine and a half years deep in the profession. It would be in my soul. Breadwinner. It's the only way I make money. I uh, I sold popsicles in Costa Rica for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How'd that go? Helados por un dollar. Yeah, we crushed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because no one was buying original artwork in Costa Rica. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. poor and everyone wants a pop school on the beach. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that. And I uh, recently I've been harvesting coconuts in cool. Maui. 
I don't really get paid in cash. I get paid in coconuts. Hell yeah. It's pretty That's good. all right, though. <laughs> oh, no, I hey. love it. I yeah. love it. I drink tons of cocos. Uh, coconuts have been a huge part of my diet. Um, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. It's but awesome. It's a good trans. It's a good contrast from painting, like climbing up coconut trees and doing hard labor kind of stuff. I, yeah, I need yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's good to move around. Yeah. I feel like because a lot of times we're just standing there. Yeah. Just kind of painting away and like using mostly our mind and then like our hands and shoulders. But like other than that, it's uh, it's mostly like a sedentary practice painting. It is. And yeah. it's good to balance it with some some sort of like physical activity, whether it's exercise or just like, yeah, labor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I wish I could paint with both hands. So that yeah. I can be mm. more can, even. Yeah. More even in my whole body. Mm. I feel I'm that, man. Very left left side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that do? Like a whole lifetime of Oh, you two are both just, lefties. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... I paint so much that a lot of that energy build up and there's a pathway like from my kind of my, my heart to my tips of my fingers. Mm-hmm. And I feel the energy coming through that, you know, it comes in my head and it condenses in my heart and it comes out my hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with that, sometimes if you work in 15 plus hours a day, mm-hmm. there's a ton of tension that comes through that. So oh, yeah. learning how to heal myself, <clears throat> learning trigger points that mm-hmm. I can like hit, press on, and it relaxes that whole set of muscles mm-hmm. really helps me a big time. If you're going to go hard, I feel like just learn how to heal yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's wise words. Do you mm-hmm. like, can you mention any sources offhand of like how to find like, trigger points. How to find like trigger points. Or... Uh, you know, both of my parents are physical therapists. Okay. So, so we'll just hit your parents. My, that, was my, <laughs> that was my source of like We'll get teaching. them on the podcast. I also feel like I'm a quite body aware person. Mm-hmm. So in between getting some like massages from other people and like figuring out different points, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is like right underneath the collarbone or right above, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, pressing yeah. into those. And in, in that pocket in between your, your pec and your shoulder, mm-hmm. like right where your your pecs come in, the the origin and the insertion of the muscle are usually the places that you have the most tension at, not like in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of where that muscle goes and tucks in underneath. The your, other muscle. Yeah, yeah. That's Got where you can, you can feel that a lot yeah, of the time. I can, I can feel that right now, actually. It's... That's good information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I really, I need that for myself, like, to be able to, uh, like, go hard and then also, like, take a day off and heal my body mm-hmm. and yeah. relax, you know? Yeah, I didn't we, do that a lot in the past. Like, mm-hmm. be, when I lived in Oakland, it's something about the uh, the vibe and the environment, industrial area, cranking gears. I couldn't stop. I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I needed to work all the time. But, like, living in Maui... It's not that grind. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Take I'm probably the off. most motivated person I know out there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's relaxed, man. Yeah, you know, I get that constant it's reminder, chill. like, what are you here on this earth to do? Well, sitting on a beach in Maui is pretty fucking good. <laughs> pretty yeah. nice. I mean, yeah. like, a lot of people, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at the, the destination they want to get at. Yeah. When I mean, there's a lot of wisdom to that, too. Yeah, it's, it's cool 
to work really hard towards something you love. But then I found also along the path, um, you know, it's like I could just be painting all day, every day, but then spending time with your friends, yeah, laughing and, yeah. and enjoying your time is yeah. just as valuable. Oh, absolutely. Right. And finding that balance, you know, of yeah. work and play and yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's, um, that contrast and that fine balance between a worthy life and a life worth living. Mm-hmm. And being an artist makes me feel like I am working for a worthy life, like mm-hmm. a life that's like, wow, you know, I did something. Right. I'm proud of what I did. Totally. And if I take that too far, I find that I'm like in that place of imbalance. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, I've just been fucking crushing paintings for the last eight months nonstop. <laughs> haven't had a conversation with anybody. Haven't had a heart to die. I'm just fucking working. Put all, uh-huh. all my love and energy into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's that contrast of a life worth living, mm-hmm. which isn't for me necessarily painting. Like right. you say, totally. yeah. spending yeah. time with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The things that you're going to remember on your deathbed that yeah. really matter to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm honestly not going to remember the many hours painting right on my deathbed. Yeah, it's going to be those times you laughed. Yeah, went on that cool hike with your friends. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it, it is that thing of like you know, you might have to sacrifice some quote unquote greatness yeah. to enjoy your life. Right. Because right. yeah, like a, if you're if you're you shooting know. for a legacy, like you won't be here to enjoy it yeah. while it's a legacy. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like, I also I feel like that. fame is, is an elusive thing these days. Yeah. And what is fame anymore? I, I mean, mean, it, it used to be like you're on the television, but now yeah. we have so many We're all on the television. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's famous now. I know. Yeah. Everybody's low-level <laughs> famous. Yeah, yeah. And it's whatever niche that you particularly care about. Right. Hopefully people can see the artwork and appreciate it and... I get some props and respect around here. Honestly, on my island, nobody knows what I do. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. None of this culture makes it out to Maui. Yeah. And uh, the many times I travel all over the world, none of this makes it out there. Mm-hmm. And so to feel like it's like the most important thing to everybody, you know? Right, yeah. Sometimes it's an easy thing to feel when you're inside that bubble. Mm-hmm. But when you travel outside and no one's heard of any of that, yeah. It gets you in that perspective. What do you pride yourself on? Mm-hmm. Is it being a great artist? Is it being a good human being? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I met a lot of great artists that were kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, I like yeah. to think, I, you know, being both together, if the two right. can work well together. Like, say, for example, uh, my first time I ever seen Alex Gray, he went to World Spirit, which was his first event out in the West Coast in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And he had all these people, you know, he was doing the whole thing. He was like the visionary leader. Yeah, and yeah. I hung out in front of the place after the event. And he came out and this homeless dude came up to him. He's like, oh, you're the dude with all this. And he, he stopped and he talked with this homeless dude for like five minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not surprised. He gets it, man. <laughs> That's yeah. it's like to be yeah. not just a great artist, but like a good human being. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man, that's that's what I want to be. That's exactly. the gold. Yeah, and I, and I think it's like the art path. If you let it be a wisdom path, that's what it is, and it teaches you to be a good person that to yourself and true. to the world. Mm-hmm. But it's Isn't all your perspective. It like learning about the practice mirrors so many 
in personal yeah. growth in your yeah, life yeah. Uh, learning about perception like for mm -hmm. example when i was learning about how to draw mm -hmm. full tone with light and dark really learning the properties of light and dark it's this crazy philosophical lesson yeah that i'm seeing this in every human being exactly yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's nutty yeah encoded in it is every answer every it's everything and yeah. every question it's like how to see light and darkness yeah mm -hmm. not just in the physical sense but in mm -hmm. the spiritual intellectual like seeing that in people is is crazy and so. how to see from multiple perspectives too yeah like. <laughs> yeah right yeah. there's so many things we could get into i'm sure if we just thought about it <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah totally yeah. yeah and um so do you have like a do you have a mission with your art or like a sense of purpose? I want to contribute to more art. <laughs> Hell yeah. Not just in myself, but in other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm really stoked to, and honored to be a part of a creative community that isn't just in a single location. We're connected throughout the internet a lot of the time or just mm -hmm. through aesthetics. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to be a part of that and I want to continue to aid in the growth of that. Um, I want to encourage other people to make art and be an example of a person who can be happy and successful mm -hmm. and holistically healthy by being an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Changing I've, the whole story of what an artist is. Yeah, yeah. no more starving artists, just thriving artists. No, it doesn't serve me to be that perception of being a starving artist. Right. When you're trying to get a place to live at and rent, you tell them you're a professional artist. They're like, oh, you're broke. Let's not give this guy. <laughs> and you're like, actually, no. Here's, yeah, exactly. here's six months down payment. It is good to flip the script on people and, and mm -hmm. educate them that in this time, this time that we're living at, it's never been easier mm -hmm. than now to be an right. artist you know yeah. this is the easiest time that we have <laughs> 10 20 years ago we would have had to kiss some gallery owners ass just to get our <laughs> uh -huh. our works old and have to play that that politics game of a bunch of people sitting in a room together there's maybe one or two buyers mm -hmm. we're all getting drunk on wine and you got to talk with that buyer get them to like you right. and potentially buy your artwork and that's not what mm -hmm. we're doing we're yeah. straight connected with people people right. enjoy it people who can encourage it and it's not some small niche anymore that it's just within that line of right. people will care about it so. totally yeah i think the interest in art in general is growing like we were talking about this last night like i think that it's now like cool to be an artist as a kid like like i think it's it a viable here. option like um, it is here it's not where i live yeah yeah yeah, I mean, but they haven't seen successful models of it that you could look yeah, up to, right? Well, and and you guys thing. are that those successful models, yeah. You know, well, that's, that's what, what we're, we're all doing. That's what yeah. we're all doing, right? Is we're yeah, carving right. out a pathway of like this is something. This is a viable life, cool and valuable mm -hmm. and interesting, and leads to a beautiful right. life experience, right? Yeah. right. And the more people start doing it, the more it's going to seep into every nook and cranny. Yeah. of the earth yeah totally and then all those weirdo artists all over the world that are frustrated and alone will be liberated by the people that decided to so. mm -hmm. yeah that decide to choose love and share it you know it's interesting because this that you know colorado has such a momentum behind it that's lasted a lot longer than 
you guys have been professional artists. Sure, yeah. There's a lineage here. Absolutely. And it's been accepted over quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Where I live, it's not necessarily so much so. Mm-hmm. They are less examples of a lineage of artists crushing it, making good money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to be the one to step up and start bringing and creating that scene. Yeah. And what do you do when there's a bunch of people who aren't exactly enthusiastic about it yet? Mm-hmm. First of all, you have to like get them inspired, enthusiastic right. by setting an example. But like I'm in this place that I have a lot of aspiring artists who can't even find a way to make a dollar off of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm educating these people, giving them the tools that they need to, to survive and make some money at their art. Right. Once they can get at that place that they can like justify doing this with their time, then I have a crew of artists together and a crew of artists <laughs> is much better than being an individual, try to make a movement happen Absolutely. on an Island where people don't necessarily accept it. Oh, in yeah. their culture. It's, yeah. It's impossible to do it. On you your can't own. do it alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was a really cool scene in San Francisco. Um, our movements don't necessarily always happen because of the individual talented artists. A lot of stuff is stuff like you wouldn't expect, like my buddy Jeff. Shout outs to Jeff. What up, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, our printer, who crushed it for like five years. He made tons and tons of Jiclay prints. Mm-hmm. And on the level that we could show up like the night before, give him ridiculous orders like, I want 40 prints. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be up all night high making this, no sleep. He would do it. And Dang like yeah. at a crazy reasonable cost. For mm-hmm. the love. For the love. Yeah, he he believed love. in us. He was still making money to like justify yeah, yeah. his time. Right. But man, that guy went hard and he supported a whole group of artists. And as a part of the scene of going out to these mm-hmm. nightclubs, it became the cool thing to do to spend $45 buying one of these Jaclay prints mm-hmm. for your girl or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. People were like stoked to be walking out with this and it became a thing to do. Yeah. We get enough artists who are interested in that. It becomes a cool thing to do to buy art. When you get on that level, that becomes like a social scene in a way. Yeah, of being. that's happening happening out here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, can we, patronage, isn't yeah, that a weird that. one, right? Because yeah. first of all, the at least of the in word. my experience, yeah. most patrons are first of all male. I um. You got I female. A, I have a different experience. Ooh. Most of my, let me think about that. I'd say in my experience. Uh, it's pretty mixed, but pretty as far mixed, as far yeah. as high priced pieces, it's usually guys. I would say about ninety percent of my guys are probably sold to yeah. a few girls, <laughs> and uh, not to generally. I think they were spending their man's money. So I'm, <laughs> 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 mm. so I'm kind of sold to the guy in a weird way. I, I first of all, you have to be crazy to spend this much money on a painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. A, you gotta be kind of crazy. It, it, or hard. you just gotta love it. Yeah. It means, I think... That's uh, true. There's a meaning. That's true. Randall yeah. was talking to me before about how, like, buying, you know, buying a painting for, like, f- four grand, say. That's a big chunk of money. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens to be somebody has money, and they're in a certain place and time in their life, and you happen to create this perfect piece of art that hits them in that moment. Yeah. They're right. resonating yeah. at this frequency. They have the money, and it's this rare, beautiful... That is true. Right, yeah. And and big ups to 
to all the patrons who supported me along the way. I love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. guys, we literally and fed I, me, housed me. You know, I will say that the the three women in particular that I'm thinking about, yeah, were not spending their man's money. Hell yeah, get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two were in the cannabis industry, and one was just like a kick-ass like trainer, life coach. Lady. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. shouts to them. I, I think you have a certain level of like connection with the yin in your painting, though. Oh. That very much makes it attractive. Yeah, in the, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I guess, I, however artwork comes out of you, some artwork, even if you're a, a guy, can skew very masculine I or mean, it can I, be balanced or even, yeah, yeah, just different resonant frequencies of creativity and mm-hmm. how people connect with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I mean, I really a lot do. of different types of paint trends in my life. Uh, at a period of time, especially when I lived in the Bay Area, the majority of my patrons were hustlers. Mm. There's that, too, yes. for sure. Um, um, you think like the gray art? area money, untaxed yeah. cash, uh-huh. that's, where it's is, at. that's the bread and butter of the artist. Yep. That's what we get, ba- we get paid with the most probably of anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been different since I moved down to an island. I get everything through PayPal, so... Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, for all especially my biggest pieces ganja growers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't separate the art boom out here from the the cannabis boom. At and all. then I've had brokers who are also in the ganja business. Mm. So they take pounds as payment. <laughs> they flip the pounds, give you the money. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah, because <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not in that business. Right, I keep my hands clean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting way that art can be an intermediary. Um, also, art works in the realm of perceived value, so it can be ten dollars or it can be ten thousand dollars, and no one would know the difference. Right, and, that whole thing is so strange. Yeah, like, yeah. Perceived value. That's an interesting <laughs> thing with art because. Right. I remember this dude, John Favors, he owned the warehouse that I lived in Mm -hmm. and he was a salesman. He could hustle anything. Yeah. I remember him showing me this necklace. He's like, I got this necklace for $5. It's cheap, right? He's like, I sell this in my hand for $5. (laughs) I put this on a table. I can sell it for $10. I put it on a nice display with a velvet yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, that's that's fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. I shine a light on it, and I put a glass case around it, mm-hmm. and I have an explanation mm-hmm. of what it means <laughs> and its relevance. And all of a sudden, that's five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Same with paintings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot about the presentation. We were talking about that earlier. Presentation is a big part of it. How you come across in all aspects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, there's all these other things of like the people who have collected you in the past, mm-hmm. your social media following. Yeah, yeah. Like all these different things that are like the glass case. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That adding on to being like, this isn't just a painting. This is a painting with social relevance that mm, people right. care about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, I think you're selling a few things when you sell a painting. I think you're selling the image, mm-hmm. um, but that's only a small portion of it. I think what you're really selling is a feeling and some sort of, status symbol in there somewhere so maybe it's like 70 percent feeling 20 percent status 10 percent image yeah 
you know what I mean? Like, because I don't know all the paintings I've sold, people come up to them and just like, you can tell they're just like feeling it. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. It's more like how you made it happen on the canvas and how that person is interacting with it. And maybe the circumstances they're seeing the painting in too, mm-hmm. you know, they resonate energetic with energetically with it. Yeah. Cause I've had people that like love one of my paintings yeah. and, and they've been lo- looking at it. And then like, then, you know, like they look at it again a mm-hmm. week later and they like, just noticed like that main subject in the piece. Like they didn't even see yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. what it like this obvious part of it because they were just feeling something from it. Yeah. And it, it, it's always so weird. Like what does your art look like to somebody else? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's cool to hear that. It's cool to hear that from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that about live painting to hear all those like random nuances of things, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm like, yeah. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love being a painter, man. I I show gratitude from all the people who have like supported me by continuing to put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I like give thanks. Mm-hmm. Continuing yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the more you do the work, like the more you'll keep collectors happy because it's like, well, I bought it from him then but now look what he's doing you know and i don't know like you're it i think some people may buy into the whole like trajectory and story of you as an artist yeah which can be weird too yeah i remember this one dude flying across the country to look at a painting of mine yeah and he was talking to this dude who's my broker he's like i don't want to buy it unless it's going to triple in value in the next oh, yeah. five years <laughs> and i was like don't buy it yeah. yeah. Just like buy some stocks or something, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't buy it unless you really like it. Exactly. It. Yeah. And yeah, that painting a couple months later sold for $18,000. Dang. Yeah. It's the most I've ever sold a painting for. I worked on it for seven months. I went homeless in the process of making it. I went completely out of money and all my resources and energy. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then I sold that painting, and I moved to Maui. <laughs> it's a nice Cashed chunk. In. Wow, man. <laughs> I kept on imagining myself on a beach, mm-hmm. just, like, hanging out in the water. And that vision was enough to, like... Push you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, the hatred, you, hatred for my life. No. I mean, that's hardcore <laughs> that's, to say that, a, right? Yeah. But I hated my life at the word. time. Yeah. I, I lived in a room with no windows, Ooh. and I was nocturnal. And I just painted all the time. And I loved it, but I also hated it. Mm-hmm. And that that drive of like, I can never be at peace until I'm really satisfied with my life right. pushed me hard. Totally. And it's been a relearning on finding the right things that get me to drive when I'm really satisfied with my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes like hatred can be like a powerful fuel. Yes. But eventually it's like powerful, but it runs out quick. Yes. It's like you, you like hit that rocket boost and it's like in Mario Kart or something when you get the little boost, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, woo, and you go, <laughs> and, but then like you're out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's a beautiful testament to, um, perspective too. Like, Hey, so if you're in a situation that you hate, but you chose creativity despite, uh, 
being so dissatisfied with your state of being and then boom you sell that piece for 18,000 and get to like live out your dream yes it's It's like like you're sacrificing a lot in the short term right right yeah yeah i mean and it's a strange thing too when you're like and then i did it and we lived happily (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but you didn't (laughs) die or anything it's like (laughs) all right now i gotta keep doing it you know the story never ends awesome yeah yeah totally (laughs) totally do you think um artists or maybe just you in general since you can only speak from your experience um do you feel like you have to create is that a I I think we're always creating. Right. Regardless of whether we're painting or not, but painting the act of it is how I process a lot of the information going on in my life. Nice. It's that time that I'm relatively in control of that time and space. Sure. Yeah. That's a good place to be at. I think it's good it's good for humans to to paint. It's a good thing to do with your time. Yeah. And I think it'll last throughout time. I don't think painting's going away anytime soon. No, nah, it's been around uh, <laughs> since, since caves. caves. Yeah, cave paintings. I think uh, <laughs> as far as something to teach the next generation, it's a really good one because you can keep a really low carbon footprint and make art. Mm-hmm. And we focus on individual items that a great deal of energy and time is invested into. Mm-hmm. And there's very little of that still going on today. There are very little items with a great deal of energy in them. There's a lot of items with very little energy put into them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We enter in the age of automation, AI. Planned obsolescence. More of that. Yeah. It's going to be even easier to replace people with those basic jobs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard to replace paintings. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, uh, I, I think like Al, Randall said like Alison Gray was talking about this before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just wants to make these these paintings, like these artifacts cool enough that if you find it in the attic of like your grandparents that died, you have to save it. Yeah. yeah. Like you see yeah. it. Right. You know, these charged up objects. Good like, art will last. Yeah. yeah. Will. Just, Even if leave. they don't, you know, who made it or anything. Mm-hmm. Like It'll that last. warehouse that I ended up in, tons of Tonka paintings. Really? Devotional paintings uh-huh. done with a one eyelash. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Just looking through these and they're in a warehouse and we're like super inspired by this stuff. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't even know what to do with it. Like yeah. we're literally looking at thousands of hours of work that ended up in yeah. a warehouse, but no one could throw it away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Tonka paintings for people who don't know, it's um, it's like these Tibetan Buddhist uh, devotional paintings. It's kind of like, you'll see like a main figure. A lot of times it's the Buddha or maybe a wrathful deity in the center and then surrounded, surrounding him or her there are um, other little orbs of like floating Buddhas or yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. It's like framework. They go the hard levels. on the details. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like they have some of the most crazy fine line work of anybody and the whole deal with Tonka paintings is devotional painting. It's mm-hmm. like something to do with your time that mm-hmm. consumes a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So Mag- management of time is definitely a thing like learning how to, change your perception of your own time to make a lot of time seem like a little amount of time or a little amount of time to feel like a lot. Right. Depending on how much you got at the time. Yeah. So like say I I worked for seven months on this painting. Mm -hmm. Felt like a few days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just goes by in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And sometimes you can do so much like especially at like the beginning of a, a project 
maybe you you get your composition dialed in within the first 30 minutes and you're slinging just lots of paint onto the canvas and you take a step back and you're like, wow, that must've been like hours. And you look at the clock and it's like 30 minutes. I know. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not, uh, using time dilating or, or shrinking substances. Right. Right. A lot goes on in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. You speed up your thoughts, you slow down time. Yeah. How many thoughts do they say we have per second or something like that? I don't know. But if you look, if you look it up, I don't know where you'd look that up, but just, or just think about your own experience. Like you have probably thousands of thoughts per minute. Yeah. And there's 60 seconds in a minute. Can I ask you guys what, what do you think about when you paint? (sighs) I mean, the sweet spot for me is, um, not thinking about anything. Oh yeah. That's (laughs) or not having, not having the left brain, like chattering at you. Hmm. Like, you know, if you're focused, if you're super focused, you can quiet that part of your mind. Mm. It can become a meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good place to to draw from. Sure, yeah. yeah. So that stillness. And I know that's show. a throwaway cliche too, like, oh, yeah. painting is my meditation or <laughs> X is my meditation. All right, but if you have tangible thoughts, what would uh, you um, say that you thought about? Oh, I think like... I think about everything, you know, I yeah. think about just like, Ooh, this color looks good or, eh, or, uh, more oh, yeah. present to the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta do this tomorrow or yeah. I'll be thinking about the nature of myself. But mm. what but I would like, say, I think about relationships a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. People I love and care about. I mm. think about them a general. lot throughout the day in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do that too. And, uh, also affirming things of why I'm doing this work. Because mm. I have regular existential crises. Mm-hmm. I, don't I think about my mom and dad a lot. That's cool. Because, like, um, I want to make them proud, <laughs> you know? I agree. I think about my family a lot, too. Yeah. And uh, I come from a real, like, salt-of-the-earth, like, tough Irish construction worker family. Sure. And I worked for them when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I dug ditches in clay rock, 110-degree heat in Sacramento. Wow. And when I'm having hard times, that's the place that I put myself mm. in my head. Because yeah. as hard as it is, it's never going to be as, as hard as that. As that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. totally. And mm-hmm. I made it through that. Right. So I yeah. can make it through this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like a nice way to feel gratitude too. Yeah. Because like that's in the past in a lot of ways, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. I think about uh, like kind of the path that, has led me to this brushstroke. <laughs> oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. That's cool. Yeah. I think a lot of times I also think about the person who's going to have it, like this amorphous person of like charging up, like kind of having insight into reality and charging oh, cool. up this artifact that's mm-hmm. going to like bless, like bless their space. Yeah. You know? I, I would say I never think about that. <laughs> yeah. Where it's going. <laughs> and it, if anything, I try not to think about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that is cool. That is really cool because you're like setting good intention. Yeah, like wherever this thing mm, is gonna go, creating a happiness bomb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But I've also noticed, like, so thoughts are always happening while I'm painting, but I find it like the thoughts are occurring, but I'm the least attached to thought when I'm painting. Mm. So yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. as thoughts come up throughout the day, there's like more attachment to them, and the thoughts don't stop, like. 
thoughts don't really stop for me, but yeah. the attachment to them goes away. Yeah. And it's more just like, it's like a meditation, you know, like you're noting like, oh yeah, somebody's going to get this and it's going to make them feel good. Huh. There you it know, goes. Like, oh shit, I got to pay that bill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. You want them to go past you. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That is really good in life just to like not hold on to your thoughts for too long and just yeah. let them keep, keep rolling past you. Oh, do, yeah. do you like specifically pack, practice that? I, I would say I do. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've actually practiced some meditation in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I did a Vipassana course. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vipassana is a 10-day meditation, silent, uh, meditate about 14 hours a day. That changed my life. Yeah, what Big was time. that like? Yeah. I'm sure. Probably more than any, any experience on any substance, that was probably one of the most, like, breaking down the ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally taking off layers of self that no longer served me right okay. let me turn this off this is my lady <laughs> texting me <laughs> I was just saying I've been having a great time in Denver um, I got to see my lady she was like working in Northern California on a farm for like the past month and I was crushing paintings so <laughs> we just met up and we've been hanging out in Denver, having a good time. We went to a wine bar. I drank a Manhattan last night. Ooh, <laughs> went fancy. to a jazz bar and listened to a quartet. Ooh, it was great. That's a sweet spot, dude. It was great, man. You don't get that kind of stuff out in Maui. That's an urban yeah. environment kind of thing. Dude, mm-hmm. a chilly night with some fuck, mm-hmm. chilly night with some bourbon. Like, oh, I haven't so had nice. a chilly night in like two years. Yeah. Yeah, you, I, uh, yeah I'm going to roll. You good? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So when you had that Manhattan, were you, did you? So like the pinky out thing, were you doing that? I do the pinky out thing for shaka. just about any drink. Oh, okay. In morning nice. coffee, yeah. I got the pinky out. I like feeling okay. fancy. Is it like a shaka thing too? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. the shaka is a different thing. That actually came oh, yeah. from a guy who he worked at a sugar mill. Mm-hmm. And he got his three middle fingers chopped off. Whoa. Uh, and after that, he'd be just kind of, he gives on workers' comp, so he got to chill for the rest of his life. <laughs> um, and he'd like hitchhike around with his hand out. And it was the shaka because <laughs> he was missing his middle three fingers. So that's where the shaka came from a Maui uh, sugarcane uh, worker. Who it's such him. a fun. That's crazy. Man I had reason. no idea. Yeah, because he's just chilling for the rest of his days. And that means just chilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just hang with man. Relax. It's like, it's like hello, thank you. It's like kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Shock mm-hmm. yeah, is cool. Well wishing. I, lo- I love the, the culture out there and uh, just Polynesian cultures in general. Like I lived mm-hmm. in New Zealand too. I really connect with those people for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I respect the land and I realize that I'm not... I'm not a local, you know, I'm right. a visitor who's staying there extra long. Mm-hmm. And I always treat it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a turn for a white man called Howley out there. <laughs> I'm not a Howley, you know, I don't <laughs> so like eat surf and turf and throw my cigarette butts on the beach. I'm just <laughs> yeah. not that. I like, yeah. I understand like this is a spiritual place. This is a respected land. The people sure. got their, like their homes taken away from them in a lot of ways like Mm -hmm. come with respect you know absolutely as long as you do that anywhere in the world people will treat you with respect i get asked a lot of time like do you you have problems with the locals and you're surfing on their waves and all that no i don't have any problems they love me if you're just gentle and respectful yes it's uh you know you can find it back like that's that's a good word to describe it i think gentle Mm -hmm. um i think 
kindness is a something that's become a lot more important to me over time. Yeah. In such a way that for me to hang out with you, you have to be a kind person. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. No, real though. I mean, like, I spent a lot of time with some really talented people mm-hmm. who weren't kind people, mm-hmm. right? But I hung out with them for what they had to offer to me. Yeah, right. Now I don't. I you know <laughs> I don't have space for that. Maybe it's a certain yeah. level of confidence, or it's a, like I don't need anything in particular mm-hmm. from any one individual exactly to be supported. You sure. Know? And you like you learn to curate your life over time too, and you just realize like. I don't want to be bothered with doing the ego game. Yeah. Let's yeah. just be in love. Yeah. Out. You know, when I moved out to Maui, I got to have kind of a fresh start. And uh, a lot of the people that I chose to be in my life had nothing to do with art. I chose them because I enjoy their company. Totally. Yeah. That's good. It feels good to like have people who like you for the quirky, weird individual you are. Right. Yeah. Rather than what you do. Mm, totally. As much as I do identify with what I do. Sure. Yeah, it's sure. a big part of who I am. It's a big part of what I do with the majority of my time. Mm-hmm. But like, I want people to like me for me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just the context in which you find out who you are. Yeah. And then that's the real nugget. You know, art is like the boat getting you across the river or something. You know, it's like this vehicle for learning about yourself to have empathy for yourself and other beings. Then mm. true. And I think people can feel when you're, just being your genuine self and kind of sacrificing a normal lifestyle, quote unquote normal, yeah. to be an artist is mm-hmm. is pretty genuine, I think. Not yeah. to toot our own horns or anything, but it <laughs> takes a like lot of like... Hopeless romantics in a way. Yeah, yeah. and it takes a lot of self-realization to and acceptance of that self to choose an art path and and just go full steam at it. And so when you meet other genuine people maybe they're not artists, they're going to feel that. Yeah. And you're going to connect on that level. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes a great deal of bravery to make art. And I don't feel that way for myself necessarily. It's taken a great deal of bravery to take my art and push it in front of people's faces as needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Accepting rejection and still doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Accepting failure, brokenness, and yeah. having to humble myself to ask for help when I fail. Mm-hmm. It's taken a lot of bravery to do that. (laughs) But even for the person who is approaching it, to even put a brush on a canvas takes a lot of bravery for them, just like it would take a lot of bravery for me to get up and sing opera right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not that good at it. (laughs) Just opera or... I I can't sing opera, but, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) Feeling like that instant judgment and assuming judgment from other people because you're not good at it right Mm -hmm, the thing about me is i failed my way through my youth Mm. i failed my way through school yeah (laughs) i was a d student yeah i mean i kind of pulled it together in college but like mostly just didn't try you know i i even did try sometimes but i'm the different kind of learner than a sit in a desk student kind of learner i'm uh kinesthetic and a visual learner i learn by doing things absolutely i learned got time for that in public school yeah (laughs) in the time that i'm here i'm like breaking up things and yeah you know i -hmm. have to be consistently moving i have to learn the thing by doing it and even in that process i have to learn by failing at it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i'm okay with failure 
Mm-hmm. I think you have to be if you're yeah. if you're trying to be an artist, uh, an entrepreneur. I love yeah. it. Anything if, at all with yeah. meaning. Yeah, yeah. It's being shameless too with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also yeah. like speaking to that, you know, it's like um, I think everybody is brilliant, but there's a specific type of brilliance that's acknowledged in like public schooling. Yes. But like every being is brilliant in their own unique way. Yeah. And that's not always sometimes... I think that's why like a lot of creative types are kind of late bloomers and stuff because those things aren't at the forefront of what you're like, how you're being uh, molded or taught or yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, over time I, I can grow into it. And, for me, a lot of my artwork and the technical aspects of it being like dimensional patterning geometry, a lot of it is proving to myself that I'm an intelligent person. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, how the fuck do you carve out these deep geometric spaces? Start with something simple, you know, diamond pattern. Also, uh, to say, if I'm working in geometry, mm-hmm. our bodies are made of geometry. So we have compasses built into our bodies. Mm-hmm. We have compasses. I use my fin- my pinky finger as a compass for my hand that I can rotate, I plant down my pinky finger Mm -hmm. and I use that to have geometry that I can rotate with. That's my compass. Cool. Also, your elbow point, that's another compass point Mm -hmm. that you can have a longer extension of getting that perfect pattern just as long as you keep your elbow still. Mm -hmm. Also, the shoulder. Your shoulder point. Yeah. Great for murals. You can do a perfect sol- circle if you just extend out your arm all the way. Mm-hmm. Get it all the way around. <laughs> so using my body's geometry is a big part of that. Okay. Um, but yeah, perspective, you know, taking patterns and warping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't use very many like straight edges. Mm-hmm. So um, I respect digital artwork. And I admire it and I am inspired by it. But the thing that I like about my artwork is that it's imperfect, Wiggly. slightly wonky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Organic. It's made by a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it looks kind of like I, it tried to be digital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And do I you, like, like, so do you draw a lot to carve out these shapes or do you kind of just discover them on the canvas? Certain ones, uh, the more technical ones, I do a little bit of uh, graphite on, on, on the underneath. I'm trying to stray away from graphite more over time because I have to come back later on and deeply layer over and over again to completely yeah. get rid of that graphite. Uh-huh. Even if I like, I always fix it or spray it in so it doesn't like mix with the paint. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's another step that I don't need to take if I really am confident enough going straight in with paint. It's mm-hmm. just like for really specific perspective, deep down in there, you got to get really solid detail. Mm-hmm. For me, a 0.5 millimeter uh, graphite mechanical pencil, that can do anything. Yeah. yeah. I am always going to be stronger at drawing than I am at painting because I've been doing that since I was five. Mm-hmm. I still nice. have a great deal to learn about painting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm like 10 years deep at this. So I feel like <laughs> I'm in the beginning of my it's, journey in a lot of ways. It, it seems like the deeper you go into painting, the more you realize you don't know shit. Yes. <laughs> Life yes. too, you know? So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. 
Um, it was really cool, actually. I got to go to the Threda Gallery, and uh, I saw all Jake Amazon's paintings that he's putting up for a show. They're all epic. I also got to see um, C.T. Nelson's paintings, mm-hmm. uh, which were amazing. Yeah. Mind-bending. I feel yeah. like, in particular, of learning about oil painting technique, it's very useful for me to spend time looking at those kind of original paintings. Mm-hmm because of the way individuals lay color is different and beautiful. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. want to pick up those. I have sure. my own ways that I think, you know, is beautiful in a certain respect, but like, man, that guy, CT Nelson makes jewels. Yeah. Too, yeah. You know what I mean, they're they pretty glisten. crazy. Tasty. And, I yeah. know they're juicy and like uh, <laughs> glistening with highlights all over it and stuff, but I don't want to make artwork like he makes artwork. Yeah. I want to treat color mm-hmm. like he treats color. Right. Yeah. It's t- just t- one t- small cues. aspect of his artwork. Totally. But I feel like I can apply that. And I yeah. worked with a lot of people, spent time with a lot of people mm-hmm. to take just one little aspect of what they know without feeling like I'm like, biting them yeah yeah i was actually going to ask you that question since you've collaborated with a lot of people do you think you've synthesized some of their yeah not necessarily their style but just their move maybe some moves like a couple tricks yeah you know like knowledge absolutely yeah the more collabs i do i feel like i learn so much more yeah you know every time i collab with someone i'm like oh wow i never thought of it that way yeah yeah totally and and a lot of times it's like it's perfect because since i don't think of it that way it it you know it just blends really well and and gives it a new kind of flavor Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i um you know jonathan salter i worked with him for years Mm -hmm. and i would say that we had this bouncing back and forth of techniques Mm -hmm. that I taught him a lot and he taught me a lot and we're incredibly complimentary with each other's styles mm-hmm. and with each other's personalities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such that he's such a kind, easy person to work with. Yeah. You feel like he's going to respect you and you're going to respect him and you're going to move forward instead of breaking down each other's work mm-hmm. right, consistently yeah. building to make something better. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good feeling. And you know, I love John for for the rest of my life. You know, we shared a lot of love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not in a gay way. It's not like that. <laughs> but no, it's like, man, when you make arts with somebody, you are literally sharing your same love on a canvas. Mm-hmm. And people, their patterns, their styles can work complementary to each other. Yeah. In just the same way that you like meet a lady and she feels great in your arms. Like you mm-hmm. are meant for each other in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible when you meet those individuals. It's right. like your creative boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, you ain't like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but like when you when you meet when you've hang, hung out with someone for like six years straight. Mm-hmm. And you worked on the craziest shit you've ever worked on in your life. Mm-hmm. And you've been in the craziest states of mind that you've ever been in your life with mm-hmm. that person. It's a level of knowledge of them and acceptance yeah. that you you can't have that in any other way. Totally. Know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we relate to our art, for that matter, in the same way that 
we relate to say lovers mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we relate to people mm-hmm. like some canvases are a one night stand yeah sure mm-hmm. some canvases are a long drawn out relationship that gets deeper and deeper and you have challenges that you need to overcome mm-hmm. to get to that place of satisfaction with mm-hmm. it. isn't totally. that like a relationship yeah absolutely it totally is yeah I'm gonna pause it. <laughs> I gotta pee too. Yeah. All right, we'll pause. Yeah, all right. So we're back. Um, you didn't notice it because because we no break it edited it out My girl in the future. Doing good though. Love yeah, you, baby. Yeah. We were yeah. getting phone calls. It's funny you were talking about relationships and yes. it being like paintings and vice versa, and she just calls like right. <laughs> oh man, I love my girl. I'm actually as far as um like forces in my life that help me to be inspired and create art um, yeah. she's constantly encouraging and she also actually has a bachelor's degree in art history Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah. so she's great for advice mm-hmm. she has a really great eye and gives me a lot of really good advice in my yeah. art nice. totally. i get stuck so <laughs> she's a she's an aerialist and i'm actually learning aerials i do the lyra oh cool um she's a lot better than me I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like her, her medium, her art form is aerials. Nice. Uh, and dancing. So um, that's an interesting influence in my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, a lot of my visual art painting has been paired with finding a movement flow that is both like physically challenging and like creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really uh, appreciated rapping a lot in my life, like hip hop. Mm, yeah. And I, I get that same feeling from hip hop artists mm, that they're mm-hmm. finding that transitions and connections from one thing to another and looking for individuality in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It, they make the words dance. Yes. You know, it's and called we, your flow. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Creative that, flow. That contribution yeah. to the medium, like we're talking about, like when I hear a hip hop artist with some real shit to say that yeah. I haven't heard previously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you know, that's this really calling in something from our time, you know, something that means something and connects with right. people from our time, mm-hmm. right. not those universal thing of the like money bitches. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like to get hot, you know, all that shit. It's I mean, mindless, but it, yeah. yeah, it is mindless, but it's universal in a way. Yeah, Yo, sure. Like, sure. people aren't going to stop liking women. They're not going to stop needing money. Right. Yeah. They're safe bets. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, some artists actually chronicle what's happening in the current moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, what's happen- happening in the culture. And, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, isn't that how information was passed forever? Was, like, poetry or spoken word over the fire stories yeah 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 Yeah. i think uh at least from my artwork in my time a big thing that i address in my artwork is that harmony between you could say masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. or you could say nature and technology Mm -hmm. or you could say spiral against like cross yeah, yeah straight line um with that finding harmony between the two and the idea that we don't create machines that destroy us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We create machines that are beautiful and help us yeah. to create beauty in this world. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. yeah. 
somehow I feel like my art's connected with that. Yeah. I don't know. An intention. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. A big part of what we're doing here in this generation is finding, refining that harmony. The balance. Yeah. Yeah. The center point. It's so masculine. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, recently for me, I mean, I can't always do this in my life, but I've been just sitting with women and listening to them about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. For hours. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to spend the time to listen because right. other guys don't. Right. Just to understand that perspective and yeah. the, that the other lens, it like the other gender lens within which the world is experienced. Yeah. yeah. And how, super important. And how it's translated. Yeah. yeah. And to actually listen you know, you can tap into those things that are inside of you too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I think communication is um, where we have the most to, to gain mm. in our uh, in our world right now. Yeah. And that doesn't just mean speaking. It also means actively listening and... Very true. Trying to think of what that means on, a, on many different scales and levels, you know? Yeah, you know, if we can relate that to painting in collaboration... Mm speaking versus listening Mm -hmm. and we're speaking with our brushes when we're painting right sometimes when you have a conversation with somebody they really want to talk about something that you don't want to talk about right (laughs) or you may disagree with what they're talking about you know sometimes when people have a conversation it becomes an argument and the same way with a painting one person has one intention the other person has another intention that they're not willing to let go of yeah both sides aren't willing to let go of it crashes upon itself Mm -hmm. that could be a cool thing sometimes sometimes (laughs) it's good to have somebody who's willing to listen and accept and take much more of that like yin role mm-hmm. you know exactly sure so a lot of time when working with people that's that's what i do you yeah. know i like a lot of people they focus on the focal point they go straight for the focal point the area that people are going to immediately look at mm-hmm. and it's kind of like being the star mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's the, i'm the one <sighs> with the idea right but i'm like creating the container for that you know just mm-hmm. as important creating the environment it's all about um, context. Yeah. You know? If we can equate it, especially when this is more apparent when you have a bigger group, like of five artists working on, it's like we're a band. And <laughs> some just, some guys, yeah, <laughs> so, some ones are the lead singer. Mm-hmm. Some guys, the dude with the guitar fucking soloing out. <laughs> I'm more, I'm the drums and the bass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. holding it around down so that everything all these details and stuff are working together in harmony they have a container and a context Mm -hmm. to make it all work and so i'm not always just like painting a thing i'm glazing over everybody's work yeah Mm. yeah i'm making all i'm cohesive stepping back 20 30 feet and seeing what it looks like as a tiny little image yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. whereas everybody else is all going up in, in going there in. Getting, <laughs> yeah. getting all that you know getting excited like like they do in small paintings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like painting a big painting with a great deal of information working together in harmony it takes like i'm gonna semi-transparent glaze over that area not destroying anything Preserving all the information. Push it back. Exactly. (laughs) Pushing it back or ready for another round of 
values and tones. Yes. It's funny you brought up the band analogy because last <laughs> week we were talking uh, to Crystal and we, I don't know exactly how it came up, but we were like, oh, like you, you and Randall and Morgan and everybody are kind of like a band. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about like, sometimes you got to play tambourine. Sometimes you got to be lead singer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just funny that you brought it up. That's two weekends in a row. Yeah. yeah totally. Podcast synchronicity. Sometimes <laughs> we haven't have released that, that yet, by the way. Like I applied a lot of that knowledge that I got from collaborations into my personal work, like mm-hmm. culminating all that knowledge that I get from other people. Uh, a lot of my like bigger pieces after working with a lot of people look like it was a combination of Jonathan Salter, Gabriel Welsh, and like <laughs> Apex Collective and yeah, stuff yeah. like that all mashed <laughs> into one because those are all the people that I was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw which styles worked well with my style. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I adopted a little bit of that for a short period of time and then got rid of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that is one of the things though. I know at this point what type of artwork sells mm-hmm. for a lot of money. I don't always want to make that art. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's some shit right there, right? So yeah. when you happen upon something that you know is going to sell, but, and, and you enjoy, I'm right. I'm okay, yeah. Like, and, and you enjoy making those paintings that you know will sell, but yeah. like your heart sometimes needs to make something that, you just want to... Yeah, like sometimes you you have to make the art that you have to make sometimes. Well, I think um, when you have a following too, like a, like you get a significant following, mm-hmm. it can pigeonhole you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because and I, that's my maybe my greatest fear. Yeah. I think. It's I feel like, that a little bit now. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time making a certain type of painting and I got a following for that and mm-hmm. then people want that kind of painting. Yeah. Yeah, I like it when um, people can switch up the style at their own whim. And it's like, oh, you guys like this? Well, I'm going over here. So if you want to follow me, follow me. And there's enough confidence in the artist to know that what they're doing is coming from the heart and it doesn't necessarily matter what form it takes. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what colors they use. Right. It's It's about something deeper than mm-hmm. what you just see or hear or you know so yeah the thing humming from behind it and and also like the only one putting you in a box is yourself like yeah. that's true um but it's still like when you do a certain type i don't like instagram likes and really thing but <laughs> <laughs> you do a certain type of painting that you always do it gets you a really good response and mm-hmm. then you branch out into something that's entirely different that you appreciate mm-hmm. and you don't get the good response. Mm-hmm. And maybe that piece don't sell yeah. because it's not the same type of thing that your collectors originally mm-hmm. wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we, we're infinite beings that can totally switch the that's what we do as humans. Mm -hmm. Our life is like that. You know, like you flip the script sometimes and all of a sudden you want to do something entirely different. At least I do. Mm -hmm. I can't do the same thing my whole life. Yeah, absolutely. there is that like progression and slowly changing and slowly developing and keeping your foundations and keeping respect to that and allowing yourself to branch out in different ways too, which is 
what I'm working on. It's finding that balance of integrating the new and finding what I really like in this moment, but also like all of my past too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes my past circles back around. I've been painting like, like I was 2013 a little bit lately. Yeah. <laughs> using the same methods. I've been using a, an acrylic underpainting lately, mm-hmm. a Grizel for my last one. Mm-hmm. And that's really good for like, like laying a foundation, laying a composition of a value pattern that's going to yeah. be set. I know all my lights and darks. I know my design before I even get into colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I glaze in semi-transparent colors. I use tintits, which are alcohol-based spray paints. Mm. Montana 94 semi-transparents are extremely good too. They just don't sell it on my island. Mm. Do a little bit of acrylic washes on top of that for color. Then I go in with liquid oil paint glazes. Nice. I love the way if there's a little bit of pixelation and oil paint glaze on top of that and those colors. I have three different types, maybe four different types of paint interacting with each other. Yeah. After I go on oil paint glazes, which I'm mainly doing in the shadows, I keep my shadows transparent. Yeah. And then I build lights on top of that. So for my lightest lights, I'm going like opaque with a little bit of linseed oil to give it lift off of that. Yeah. And that's what's catching the light. Like literally. Yeah. It's like off the canvas a, a slight bit. Right. Right yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. So having that building process and feeling really like confident that that can lead me to a good quality painting, mm-hmm. that's been really great. It has limitations. Sure. As does every process. Yep as does every technique and every medium mm-hmm. and finding the best things about all those and discarding the rest. Yeah. That's what Trimming I'm trying to get at. And then weaving a tapestry of all those good things you found. Totally. And yeah, like it is good to mix it up cause you know, like you can experiment with different styles and then yeah. you can pull that into, you know, you have like this, this Seth McMahon stream of art yeah and and you can go out and find some things and start weaving them into whatever that is yeah yeah totally so you do get the gradual change over time yeah it's like yeah okay maybe that one offshoot piece doesn't sell but you can combine it with what you were doing Mm -hmm. to create a piece that's fucking more badass than either of those two on their own yeah you know yeah yeah um griselle painting right what i was talking about its limitation is that all the colors have to be the type of colors that can interact well with the gray underpainting. Yeah. So every color has to look good with Next gray. To gray. Yes. Yeah. Using uh, like transparent iron oxide. Oh, mm-hmm. dude. Burnt oh, sienna, I maybe. I love that. I love transparent iron oxide. Those gold colors for yeah. underpainting mm-hmm. and what that can do. It has so much benefits in like you can glaze color directly over on top of that. It's going to keep that gold underpainting underneath and it's yeah. going to like make those colors really pop shine. They use it a lot for landscape paintings and they're like sunsets and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Just like having that over it, leaving a little underpainting, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. I don't get a full value range out of that though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it only goes so deep. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like kind of the challenge behind uh-huh. it. <laughs> Each one has its benefits and its drawbacks. It depends on what type of painting that you want to make in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, could you paint like, what's it called? 
Al Prima or whatever on top of that stuff? Like just paint any color out of the tube after you have, after you have built that up. If it's an oil. Like, yeah. Couldn't yeah. you do anything on top of that? On top of what? The, the process you just described. Yeah. Like how you. To Grisale and so you're to, like limited with colors as you build it up is what you're saying? Um, if you're working semi-transparent or, uh, all right, so how to get, from what I experienced, the most pure popping color with oil painting mm-hmm. in particular. But you could probably do this with acrylic painting and glaze. Mm-hmm. You go in semi-transparent, leaving the white canvas showing through. That's as like hot, pure colors you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A bunch of buildup of mm-hmm. glazes this is what like old Italian painters did to get those still lives just juicy mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's another level mm-hmm. and then you're getting that by all these glazes you're looking through all these glazes you're seeing the white of the canvas reflecting through that and that's the most pure popping color you can get right on. if you do a gray underpainting it's gonna dull it mm-hmm. yeah it is what Pros it is. And cons. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Navigating that. And uh, also, like, how premeditated you want to be with it, too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, fucking just grab some colors and throw them in. Yeah, the, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's the best thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes going in straight a la prima is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one painting in my set that is like a sunset that you're above the clouds mm-hmm. and you're like, it's all gold and like there's nothing darker desaturated about it at all. It's all those colors that are like, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's really yeah. nice. It's a golden <laughs> painting with golden light in it. And there's a little bit of desaturated purples on yeah, the yeah. backs of the shadows of the clouds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at clouds lately, man. <laughs> I, I look at the clouds like a lot. I have, you know, my porch, it's like, it's out in the water. I've been waterfront, you know, yeah, yeah. and just watching the sun go down and studying it, looking at what colors are the lights, mm-hmm. looking at what color is the sky, like that kind of greenish blue towards the horizon. Yeah. And then it fades out into the purple transitioning up over on top of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like the you know w- the hot on the clouds on one side that warm sherbet color color yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then the back side is this dusty like purple P- purple gray blue, blue. gray yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Love the it. subtlety in that is incredible mm-hmm. um there's this guy who shows in lahaina that's like the kind of tourist town mm-hmm. he's actually from oahu his name is roy tabora mm-hmm. and he's He's a wave painter, but he's my favorite wave painter by far because this guy kills it on color temperature. He's like so good on like getting that perfect fade into that dusty, you know, he's like (laughs) doing the, the like wet on wet technique Mm -hmm. that you're like laying that really perfect gradients of color. And just hitting that one thing right where it's like the sun is setting back like behind the wave and it's showing mm-hmm. through a semi-transparent golden glow on the wave. Just hitting every little piece of like water <laughs> that's coming off. Ah, oh, fuck, dude. I'm <laughs> killing it. 
<laughs> You're yeah. killing it. He's killing it at wave paintings. And if I can make abstract paintings like that guy makes wave mm-hmm. paintings on that level of, of technique and respect to light and shadow, mm-hmm. that that's where I want to get with it. Oh, nice. yeah. Nice. Right on. Well, are you ready to ride off into the sunset or yeah. do you got any more questions? Um, I, I like to throw this question out lately. Uh huh. What's your favorite thing about art? <laughs> no one can stop me from doing it. Mm. Nice. No one can ever take that away from me. You can steal all the paintings I got, all my brushes, everything. You can't take that from me. Yeah. yeah you just make yeah. more. It'll never leave me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've had people leave me in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never had art leave me in my life. Mm-hmm. It's always there for me. Super cool. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if I can say just out to the people listening, don't wait to be inspired. Make art every day. Yeah. Like it's your practice. Yep. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I think we've talked about that before, but um, basically, just to speak to that, it's like, if you're inspired somewhere and you don't have a, and you're not painting already or your paints aren't readily available, you'll probably be like, oh, I'll just wait, but then it'll pass. Yeah. And if you're already painting, usually you can kind of coax inspiration out of the ether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. into your mind and your heart and your hands. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to show up. Yep. You don't need to have some vision no. in advance. Nope. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is take the brush, <laughs> load up some paint, and put it to the canvas, you know? And voila, a vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Inspiration will come in the process of doing that. Yep. Yeah. It takes a lot of bravery to not know what the hell you're doing. Pick up that thing and do it. But if you get... A habit out of just doing that, you'll be an artist. And it doesn't matter how much right. money that you make. If you keep making art, you're succeeding in the goal of being an artist. And you should be proud of yourself because you're doing a good thing for yourself and doing a good thing for the world. Hell yeah. 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 That's Sweet. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I usually awesome. close with what advice would you give your younger self or younger painters? Um, Think that was pretty good advice, <laughs> yeah. though. So, yeah. <laughs> thanks so much, Seth. Yeah, um, do you? So this will come out what n- next next week? Mm-hmm. Monday, but we could switch yeah. it up too. Do you have any uh, like events coming up anytime soon? Anything After you want to blast Philly out? Show. After the Philly show, all just stuff in Maui, cool. which only affects people in Maui. But I'm really <laughs> excited about it. I did an art show in Maui before I left, right? And it popped off. Yeah, I was actually really stoked at how many people came out of the jungle and <laughs> and came out to party. Awesome. Yeah, I did a hip hop DJ set, and I played hot jams for like three hours and put <laughs> color changing lights on all the paintings and had a <laughs> dance party in the gallery. Oh nice. yeah, and I want to do a lot more of that as well as like <clears throat> what we did at Three Did the other night. Right. Yeah. Um, just some painters gathering together and under one roof. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Just coming together and doing. Yeah. It. Thanks by the way for setting that up. 
yeah, absolutely. I just want to see a bunch of people, you know, and do the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of rare to get that many people in I one I kind of want to do that all over the United States. You should. I want to hang out in places like North Carolina or... Asheville. Exactly. <laughs> like all those places that they don't get enough of that love yeah. show up and just paint with people. Yeah. And oh, if yeah. anybody wants to learn anything, I'm down to share that information. So keep an eye out for that because That's it's coming. Cool. Yeah. And I'm making a book. Ooh. I'm almost done with it. Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm going to self-publish it. It's got all my art nice. and it's got a bunch of calligraphy and uh, advice. You know, I, I give advice to myself because I need to hear it from myself. But I also I'm trying to leave breadcrumbs because I'm on the other side of it. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm living my life happy, healthy, wealthy, making art. I want to help other people do that shit, too. Like, I don't like Beautiful. hearing people doing things with their time that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we should all be doing what we want to be doing with our time. Hell yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, what, like, what's the best place if you're doing events or, like, when your book comes out for people to just find you and keep up to date? Well, I live in Maui. Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty lazy on the website these days. <laughs> I'm not a very technologically adept person anymore. I care mm-hmm. less about the internet over time. I love the people who put their artwork on the internet. Yeah. It's keeping me going, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Like all all you guys, you know, like thank you for putting your artwork on the internet. Mm. The internet blows. It's <laughs> way better yeah. that we're putting our art on it. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so um yeah, you know, I, I I use the internet for output, but I don't spend much time like gathering the information. So Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I will I will stay up to date and post about things happening. My Instagram is my name. It's Seth McMahon. That's S-E-T-H McMahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N, and then 1-1. That's what I use the most for communication with the outside world. Cool. Yeah. Give them a follow. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you Thank so much, you Seth. Yeah, oh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, putting that was out inspirational, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for adding value. Yeah. Peace, guys. Peace. We much love. love you. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at johnspeaker. And on Facebook, johnspeakerart. And we want to give a special thanks to Blair Speaker, John's lovely wife and creative director of the podcast. She also updates the website and does all the podcast notes. So thank you, Blair. And we'd also like to thank Tyler Billman. He created the music for this podcast. You can find Tyler on SoundCloud and Instagram. His name is Get Billsman. That's G-E-T-B-I-L-L-S-M-A-N. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>